Episode 11,000, nope, <laughs> 1103, Dead Reckoning Part 1 Movie Review. When will we get to 11,000? That'll, that'll be, a, we might die. <laughs> Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian. Bring you theology at warp speed, I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DeVoto, we're back. We're back. And so is Ethan Hunt. Wow. For another exciting adventure. Now, I haven't... I, so when you and I are going to review a book or a movie, yeah. I don't post my review because I know you just go read them. I like That's you to true. be surprised. But I also don't look for yours. Okay. So I have no idea what you think about this movie. Zero idea. Okay. What do you think I think about this movie? I think... You know, I, I'm, I'm just, a big I, fan of I know. Fallout Rogue Nation. I think you think this is the best of every Mission Impossible movie. Not even close. Okay. That's good. Because I didn't. Yeah. I was worried... The reason I guessed you liked it so much is because I liked it, but I liked it at a four rather than four and a half or five. So where I, did you like it at? I liked it at a three and a half. So let oh, me just give you my okay. ranking of the series as it stands now. Uh, and bottom place would be Mission Impossible 2. Then I would probably go three, four, Rogue, uh, not Rogue Nation, uh, Dead Reckoning. Wait, I'm sorry. I've Start from the top. Go okay, ahead. Fallout's so, in your number one. Oh, so you want me to go best to worst? Or yeah, worst I just I got I was looking at my list and so I got okay. distracted. So just I I know what's at the bottom. So let's start at the top. So Fallout. Okay, so Fallout is number one. Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Uh, Mission Impossible one. Okay. So Dead, far, Dead Reckoning. Uh, Ghost Protocol. Mission Impossible three, and then there is a uh, <laughs> distant a, a distant seventh for Mission Impossible two. Okay, we're right in line, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I think you like Rogue Nation better. Yeah, so I did... Oh, I didn't reorder it, even on my list, but I, I know what it is. Rogue Nation, number one, love it. Mission Impossible, one, number two for me. Okay. Fallout, number three, and then Dead Reckoning, part one. So we both put it smack in the, the middle. We have the same top four in a little bit of a different order. It's It's not a bad movie, but compared to the last two... It's a definite step down. Um, it's kind of a mess in really? places. I liked a lot about it, but it's kind of a mess. Okay. No, I didn't write any notes for this. Like I said, I haven't even written my review yet. I liked it a lot. I mean, uh, I have one gigantic complaint. Oh, and so spoilers now, listeners. Yeah. We're going to spoil this movie. I think what I love so much about Rogue One, sorry, not Rogue One, Rogue Nation <laughs> right. and Fallout is this inclusion of Ilsa Faust. I think yes. that she was a, a very needed part of this uh, cast. Yeah, they, and They the, did her dirty. And the franchise. I don't know what happened. I mean, this is the kind of thing that feels like the actor is going to go do something else. Right. So we need to write her out. Like maybe Dune even. I mean, I don't know yeah. what's going to keep her busy. But this felt like there's no way this was the plan. And they just decided, like, there's, I don't know. I feel really bad about Ilsa Faust being eliminated from this unless they're doing a mission impossible thing and she'll be back next movie yeah i mean which, I, which I, is possible. I felt very similar and i was trying to figure out why because like, i don't mind what's know, her name in real life rebecca rebecca ferguson, ferguson yes uh, i i love her in these movies yeah so do i and i i don't mind having characters die but everything about it felt so clumsy to me like you could tell what they were going to do all along yeah, and it's just her character felt a lot of this movie just felt off to me. And I think there's a few things contributing to it. Um number one, I do think the film was hurt by filming during COVID. 
Okay. Like there's scenes, and the one that really stands out is actually the one where Ilsa dies, where they're in Venice and they're kind of running through alleys. There's nobody. Oh. Like there is no one except our main actors. That didn't stick out to me, but you feel like there should have been like pedestrians around. It's it's so obviously a COVID scene. Like a closed set. Yes. And there's just nobody there. I also thought, and I'm less confident about this, but there's a lot of weird angles that are close-ups of characters where it felt like the camera's trying to hide how few people are actually in the shot or would wow. be in the shot. Okay. So there's there's aspects of that that felt really off. Um, and I'm getting back to why Ilsa's death felt off. The second factor, I think, that comes into that, because the first one is that her the scene she died in was just felt weird to me the the, the oh, villain wait I, I you come back to the villain it's like the scene didn't feel weird it felt predictable like there was no well it's because they said it was going to happen well they said somebody was going to die yeah and it just didn't feel like they were going to kill the, Haley atwell who they just introduced into the series right right uh gabriel and they can redeem this in part two right what an underdeveloped character okay so he has a previous tie to ethan hunt What's that about? He killed somebody named Maria. Exactly. That Ethan loved, probably. Yeah. And then he's in with this AI. Why? What's he doing? T- tell me anything about him. So I don't want to do all complaints, because obviously we no, like this movie. A, in, yeah, I agree. But, there's things I, I like about it, too. But the reason I say that is, when I first found out that the main villain, not Gabriel, but the entity or the yeah. AI, I, was, I just thought that was dumb. I just think that's kind of dumb, especially right. now that we're on the cusp of like real artificial yeah, we, intelligence. We don't want to piss it off. No, not that. It's like we're gonna actually know how this all works. Yeah, and this is gonna feel dated so soon. Well, get ready because like every movie is going to have AI as the villain for ten know, the to next twenty 10, years, and well, then the, and then in real life yeah, we'll have the ten, AI as the villain. Ten to twenty months until civilization <laughs> is wiped out. So yeah, I just feel like why AI as a villain if like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a more grounded Mission Impossible, although I know it gets fanciful. I think I would like it a little bit more grounded. Agreed. I agree. What did? But just focusing on Gabriel, did you feel differently about him? No. I, I didn't feel anything about him, which is the problem. Exactly. But, yeah. Like You think of the villains, especially in the last couple movies. You have, uh, and I'm forgetting his name, but... Um, well, Solomon. Solomon. amazing. F- phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Then, then Henry Cavill's mm-hmm. character. Uh, such good villains. And, you know, four had a meh villain, but then, and nobody cares about two, but then you have like Jim Phelps, who's great. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who uh, has an underwritten role, but just kills it in every scene. And and you have, uh, what's her name is Max. Uh, Oh, it's a famous actress. Vanessa. Vanessa. No, that's, that's. Oh, sorry. The White Widow. Yeah. But you have such good villains, and then Gabriel's just meh. Uh, I also felt like the opening, and I, we will get to good things, but like the opening, the, the, there's such weird parts to this. Remind me of the opening. Like, oh, the, the submarine? The, well, the submarine is fine, but then after that, where they're in that weird scene with all the CIA directors and everything, and they're just finishing each other's sentences, and like that scene just felt off to me. And there, some Like a stranger walks into the room, and they yes. all kept talking? Yeah. It just felt so weird. I know it wasn't a stranger, but I mean, it was Ethan under a mask of somebody who should have been there probably. Right. But no one was concerned that they're talking about the biggest secret currently happening in some... Yeah. I guess we don't know who that guy was. 
But maybe that's that's something they should have fixed. Maybe yes. we should have known who is Ethan even pretending to be. Because to me, it just felt like a random guy walked into this meeting where they're having a very top secret conversation and they did not mind. Yes. Okay, two other things before we get to good things. And there's a lot of good things. Uh, number one, to go back to the COVID impact, uh, most of this movie just had Luther and Benji sitting in a room by themselves. Oh, so you're really pulling out things that didn't really cross my mind. I mean, of course, we covered the Tom Cruise cruise, so we know what was going on when it comes to filming during COVID. But you were really thinking a lot about, well, this scene looks like this because of COVID protocols. Yes. And I do think a lot of that was uh, going Mission on. Impossible COVID protocol. Right. Because, you know, there's one called Ghost Protocol. It, it, there is. Okay. Uh, the central car chase in this movie is good. But I feel like we've seen that same scene about three or four times now in this series, and it's been done better. Okay. So, so you hated it. Yeah, I just hated it. No, it sounds like you didn't like it, but you do. There's things I like about it. There's a lot I didn't. Um, so stuff I liked about it, and we'll talk about the actual characters, plot, things that happen. Well, one thing I love about it is the, the commitment to being grounded which i know sounds odd for this series that i just said it wasn't grounded yes but here's what i mean i saw a meme where it said you know the top panels three panels top panel was you know marvel movie during filming and it's samuel jackson sitting in front of a green screen Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. marvel movie uh post-production and the green screen all the effects are filled in and everything and then the bottom panels, meanwhile, in the Mission Impossible 7 set, and it's the camera crew dangling off the side of a train. Yeah. I just love, like, I actually love that. Okay. I, okay. I really, really love that. And this is where I, I mostly agree with you about the entity. It doesn't quite work. But at the same time, there's an aspect of this film that by making that the villain, by filming it the way they did, there's a statement about actually doing things, really doing them, that the series has consistently made and is getting harder and harder to make in the you know CGI-infested AI landscape. And I, I salute this film for, for sticking to its guns. You know how Tom Cruise is known for doing his own stunts? Yeah. So do what do you know about that motorcycle off the cliff scene? I mean, was that, is I, that all legit? I think it is. I mean, that was an incredible stunt. It's he's, incredible. He's great. I've liked Tom Cruise for a long time. Are, are you coming around? Yeah, I mean, so uh, Tom Cruise is a weird guy, like the whole Scientology thing and everything. But he's, he, and I think that he's great in the right role. Like, I think he's really good in Mission Impossible. I love him in movies where he's cast against type mm-hmm. a little bit. So uh, Tropic Thunder, of course. Uh, uh, Tropic Thunder is just a great role for him. Um collateral where he plays a hitman he's really really good magnolia magnolia is really good eyes wide shut he's not so much cast against type but he's like uh, deconstructing his type in that uh i think he's phenomenal in those roles uh and i think he's really good and he can be really good in in the mission impossible type role so yeah i think he's He's good, though he's still a weird guy. I don't know if you're going to say this is a good thing or a bad thing, but you haven't said anything about the character Grace, who's played by Haley Atwell. Yeah, she was good. I, I I liked her. I don't feel like we know a lot about her. She's no Ilsa. Yeah, she's no Ilsa, but she did. it did feel like they were setting her, her up to be a part of the team, but who knows because we were just watching part one. But is she going to fill that role if Ilsa is for real gone? I think so. Do you yeah. think... 
you think Rebecca Ferguson has left the series? Yes, I do. Do you know that for a fact? I don't know that for a fact. I would love it. I don't like... Uh, I don't know what I want to say here. I guess best case scenario for me is that she somehow comes back in the second movie. But then what does that do for this movie? Yeah, you got to have stakes. You got to have real stakes. Why? What happened? Yeah, it's just <laughs> so clumsy. Uh, not just the clumsy. It just I want to know what happened in real life. What? Like, was this a story choice? And if so, why? Was it just the actor wanted to leave? Right. I don't know. So I, I hate that. I guess you can tell. That's my biggest, like, my biggest red flag about this movie is that maybe my favorite character after Tom Cruise is gone now. Right. Um, I like that they brought Kittredge back. Yeah, that was fun. That's a little fan service And he's still about the same. Like, not really a great guy, but he seems to be on the side of the good guy. Like, yeah. well, no, sorry. I should say America. He works for America, so he's on the... Right. He's not like a traitor, but he's also not a good guy. Yeah. What about you said that that guy who uh, whose office they broke into was going to be in this movie? I think I, he's in the second one. Okay. So I, I guess that turned out to be a spoiler. Yeah, you really ruined that for me. I I, I did. I love the whole train scene. Um, actually, for people who've played Uncharted two, I heard there was like a. A kind of a ripoff. It was, but it, it was it was great. Like I don't know about Uncharted two. You know how there was so much of this movie that yeah did the. Are you talking about the hanging? Yes, part of the train because that's basically the opening of Uncharted two is that you're climbing up through this train oh. just like it is in the movie where it's it's hanging over a cliff and you're having to dodge stuff. So how long does it go on in that game? Like is it a big part of that game or just like it's, the, it's the first the old, level? It's the first yeah first sequence. So, because in this movie, how long was that? Like was 30 very, minutes? Very long. Very long. I heard there's an even longer version of it. Yeah, this movie was too long. Okay, in uh, general, yeah. Yes. But I heard there's an even longer version of this movie and that specific scene. I could be wrong about what I heard. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think I heard there's like a 90-minute version of that well, scene. Okay, but this is, like, news stories like that come out and audiences don't understand what they actually mean. Right, I don't understand. Like, they assume it's kind of like... Justice League and then Zack Snyder's Justice League where there's a four hour cut <laughs> it's closer to like when we did Apocalypse Now in the extra feed we talked about the work print edition which mm-hmm. is five hours I haven't sat down and watched it but a lot of it is just long shots repeated beats all of that because it, they this is how film editing typically works mm-hmm. is you put together a super long version that just has everything in the kitchen sink in it. The intention's not to release that. Right. It's not, it wouldn't be a good movie to release. So saying there's a four hour cut doesn't mean anything. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's content that was cut, but that's just like literally everything that we shot, not every take, but everything that we shot, we're just going to put in there, blah, and then, you know, yeah. whittle it down from there. All right, so tell me about, more about Grace. Where do you see that character going? I mean, she's just the next Bond girl. No, that's basically- she's, no, she's more than that. She's a team member. Yeah, she's the next Bond girl. Why are you saying that? Ilsa Faust wasn't a Bond girl. She was. 100. That's this series' versions of Bond girls. Oh, man, I disagree with that. And they're, they're even playing with that concept deliberately in the story, talking about how Ethan has a type and how this all the women that he loves wind up getting killed. Yeah, they're, they're totally playing with a, like, we're, it's not just going to be quite as dismissive as Bond girls, but they're playing with the same concept. Mm. All right. And well, speaking of Bond, I'll tell you something I did love. Uh, a great homage to the car chase on For Your Eyes Only. Okay. You remember that, the little yellow bug? 
that uh, oh, yeah. Roger Moore and and the Bond girl in that one are going down the mountain in. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, you know that that car chase was a homage to For Your Eyes Only. Okay, I did not know that. I oh, haven't well, seen that for quite a while. Well, you should uh, know your Roger Moore. I should a revisit bit those Roger Moore. I mean, movies. He he's one of the great men in of general, <laughs> just in history. Uh, so I I uh, incorrectly said that Max was played by Vanessa Curry when she's actually the daughter of Max. Yeah, so but what who's if, the actress? It's I, I keep wanting to say Vanessa Hudgens, but that's not right. So what did you think it's of? It's from the the the. the I, this is gonna bug me. It's, she was in the Devils. Oh, uh, uh, just just Google it. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens? No, Redgrave. Vanessa Gre- Redgrave. Okay, great actress. <laughs> great actress. So what did you think of the White Widow in this movie? I liked her. I I think she's uh, you know the actress has good screen presence, and I liked the I actually liked her performance when Grace was her under the mask. Uh, I thought that was really well done. I, I thought that was a, a really good. Sequence. Yeah, you know, here's something about Haley Atwell. Other than anything about her character as an actress, like she gets emotions across really well. I think I I well, like. That wasn't Haley Atwell. I, I know. I'm just talking specifically about Haley Atwell now. But yeah, you're right. And then Vanessa Kirby. Yes. Being Haley Atwell, right, <laughs> was also. I mean, yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, they both did a good job, but I did want to highlight Peggy Carter. Uh, <laughs> you realize it's same. Yeah, character? I, I, I know, but I so, I so great. Just hate Marvel. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I do. We'll talk about the length just a little bit more. Okay. Uh, a making this a two-part movie feels unnecessarily indulgent. Like, what do they have to say from a plot perspective that couldn't have been said in a single movie? Mm-hmm. Like you're asking, why did they make this choice yeah. other than money? Well, but even from a money perspective, it doesn't make sense because you could have Mission Impossible 7 and Mission Impossible 8. You can even film them back to back if you want. Why do we need one plot stretched over two movies? Mm, yes. They don't have that much to say. What was the exact cliffhanger it ends on? I can't remember. It doesn't exactly. end on much of one. It felt satisfying, but it, I can't remember. Ex- I know who, uh, Gabriel gets away, yep. but he does not have what he thought he had. Right. He doesn't have the key, and which so, the, the key, I mean, the MacGuffin is a little much in this. I get that you have a, a nebulous computer program, but like, just trying to work out the mechanics of how all this is supposed to work. Yeah, because is our goal, get two pieces of the key, yes. then find the submarine, then get under, get to the submarine underwater and find the place where you put the key. Yes. And then what, though? And Once then, they do and that, then, what? then, then destroy the code? Control the AI, I guess. Yeah. It's it's a little... And that's where it's like, I don't need these movies to be perfectly coherent. Because I understand that the main draw is the spectacle and the fact that it's actually happening. It's not just CGI and all of that. So I get that. But I need them to be a little more coherent, than this one was like we need to take a step back uh to the realm of actually trying to make things make sense and and that's my big complaint if you had to pick one of these three actors to have been killed off in this movie who would you have picked here we go are you ready yep bing rames simon Pegg, rebecca ferguson probably simon Pegg. I'm not quite sure. I love Simon Pegg, but I'm not sure what function he plays in this series anymore. Because he's sort of the IT guy that Luther is, but he's also sort of the field guy that Ethan is? Yes. Okay. He feels the most disposable to me. Okay. Uh, I think I would have picked... I know Ving Rhames has been in every movie. Right. But I think I would have picked him if I had to pick. 
I mean, you can't I get think, rid of Luther. I think Simon Pegg is so funny. <laughs> uh, I, I and think, then obviously Ilsa's the best, so you can't get rid of her either. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Uh, but you, I guess they can get rid of her. They, uh, you know, I'm, the more we talk about it, so I was disappointed during the during the viewing. Yep. And now I feel pretty certain they're going to bring her back. I, oh, I'd completely disagree with you. Yeah, she's gonna. This is just my prediction. She'll be back is in the it second. Your movie. prediction, or is it what you want to have? Maybe happen? it's both. I don't know. It might be both, but I do feel like because those aren't the same. Was thing. it? Was it final enough? They had a body, so that is usually like it if was, you have a body. It was one hundred percent final enough. She's not coming back. It's clumsy storytelling. And it's a great series. It's just bound to take a step down at some point. All right. So, what do you expect from part? Two, which I'm looking at ahead here, uh, right now, and things could change, but the release date is set to be June 28th, 2024. Yeah, and I, I've heard a lot of speculation that'll probably get moved yeah. because of the strikes. Um, well, you're gonna expect another crazy stunt. I just hope that a, I'd like to find out. Uh, they need to do something to rescue Gabriel's character. He, he doesn't need to be as good as Solomon Lane or you know Henry Cavill, but they need to move him move the the needle on him much more than they did in this movie. I have a prediction here. The opening sequence where you know, kick things off before the yeah. theme song, it'll be all flashback and we'll learn the exact thing that happened with Maria and Ethan and Gabriel so that and so we feel something for what's happening there. Cuz we be, we need to feel more about why is there such hate there? I I think that could be a good choice if they went that route. So I'd like to see that. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, it doesn't have to make sense but Try and have a little bit more coherence, and we're just running after the thing for the thing. You know, it's just let's try. Like, let's actually try and make the script make sense. Just a just one more pass. Like, have somebody give a pass to the script who's not there for action or dialogue, but just coherence. That's what I want. All right, I'm gonna hit the music, but then after the music, I'm gonna ask you about your actual theater experience with your kids. So okay. get right for that, listeners. Thanks for joining us here for this review of Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, an incredibly long title for a, a pretty good movie. And a very long movie. Four stars. For three and a half. That's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DiBono. And we're the Sci-Fi Christians signing off. I think the way I put it in my letterboxed review was: it's a mess, but it's an entertaining mess. Yeah. That, that is how I feel. So let's just dive right into theater experience. I had a very enjoyable enjoyable experience. So I feel st- I still feel very fond towards this movie. Get this. I was able to uh, take time off on a Friday morning from yeah. work. I had the, the whole day off. Uh, I went at 2 a. Let me try to remember back here. I think it was a 9 a.m. movie. Oh, my. I didn't even know they... I didn't know if it was going to be possible, but I thought I have this morning off. Right. I'm just going to see what's playing. And there were, there were a couple of choices, like 9 a.m., 10, 11. So it was opening weekend, obviously. So lots of showings. So I went to this at 9 a.m. So even though it was long, which I agree, it was like too long. Because after yes. the 20 plus minutes that AMC does of their trailers, I yeah, I think I was leaving there just before, like maybe a little after 1230. Yeah. Well, just way, way too long. So even though I started at 9, I'm past noon here. Yeah. Yeah. So it. But I don't think it felt as bad for me because I'm going home at lunchtime. I've already seen the whole giant movie. But yeah, going opening weekend, I don't I don't go to a lot of movies by myself. Yeah. But I don't mind it. I think it's almost kind of like a fun adventure sometimes to do it on occasion. Uh the theater, because it was a nine AM, wasn't packed, but it definitely wasn't empty for a nine AM showing. Like you could tell there were people like other people that were there alone trying to get this viewing in. Right. Uh whenever they could, basically. So 
overall, really fun experience. Glad I saw it in the theater. I think this is one of the rare cases where seeing Mission or there's some movies that are fine watching at home. This one feels better. I, I agree. In the theater, I completely agree. I don't always feel that way, but I do about this theory, this series. So how about you and your kids? Uh, good theater, uh, bad bladder. I had to pee like three times during this movie. Oh, I left once. I'll tell you when I. I went to the bathroom before the show before so the show I. started. Don't some days you just keep peeing? <laughs> well, it was for me. This is like nine a.m. So I, mean, I just had breakfast. Maybe I don't know. But early in the movie, I'm like, oh man, I have to go to the bathroom, and it took like twenty minutes for the opening credits to start. Yeah. So I was waiting for the credits, and it it it, it took so it took long, very long. Time. I was thinking maybe they're not going to follow the formula. That's what I was wondering too. So as soon as the music started, I bolted. Yeah. And I got back right. I think I don't know exactly how much I missed, but I I got back when the two like agents who were following them, like the kind of good guys, but they also are trying to catch Ethan. Right. Hunt, they were chit chatting about their mission. I don't think I think there might have been more than two at the time. I think it was a team of four. They were in the airport. Yeah, yeah. at the airport. Yeah. I came back in, and the airport scene was just wrapping up. So I don't know if you know how much I missed based on what I just Not told you. Not that much. Okay. You how, see them in an airplane. What, what did you miss? Maybe I can fill in some links for you. I don't remember. Oh, you didn't time it out for any no. specific thing? You're just like, well, see you, kids. There is a website that tells you <laughs> yeah, I think recommended points to go for the, the bathroom. I uh, should have used that. Uh, but no, I just had to pee. Okay. So you went with your two oldest kids, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. And the, what did they feel? They both enjoyed it. I think they kind of agreed with me. Yeah. Did they like it more than you? I guess you know, I think actually, my son might have. I have a more interesting question for you. I over the years have gotten past this, but because you have such strong opinions, yeah, there can be a, an impulse to agree with you just so you don't. Well, I intentionally uh, don't do that with my kids. Okay, yes, yeah, so I, I was wondering, do your kids feel pressured into just agreeing with you? I I intentionally don't state my opinion for something like this. Okay, and then I do and. No, that's and they fine. feel horrible because yeah, they're, like, they're like, I love the best movie. And you're like, well, it was actually three and a that half. That is a trash take. <laughs> now let me tell you what I think. Yeah. Uh, one quick story on going to the bathroom and, and he asked if I ever got my kids, uh, like had them catch me up. So I didn't. But I remember years ago when I went to see Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. actually at the same theater I went to see Mission Impossible. With your kids? No, no, no. Not with my kids. <laughs> uh so there was just me and one other guy in the theater. That you didn't know. I didn't know. There's like five rows between us. I was further back. He was in the front. Right. And he got up to pee at one point. Oh my gosh. I and he came back and he, he turned around and said, could you tell me what I missed? Like yelling that across the theater. Oh my gosh. So I kind of caught him up. No. And then we just went out and watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, listeners, thanks for joining us. That's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Vandy Vogel. We're the Christian signing off. Goodbye. That's a great story. (laughs) It is.